Hello and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. This week, George spent money on a video game, and I'm very excited to hear about it. Take it away. Yes. I spend money on games sometimes, no, just not $60 a couple days after launch. Yeah. And uh, that's what I did with Deathloop because I needed something to talk about on the podcast and on the reg- the real channel, too. So uh, I'll consider it a business expense. Yeah, you can do that. That's your job. That makes it, that softens the yeah, blow. Yeah, well, well, guess what? Guess what? Guess mm-hmm. what I get for my 60 bucks is these stutterings that a lot of people are reporting. That's happening to me. The mouse capture, mm. Liam, what platform are you playing on? I was playing on PC, and I, yeah, there is definitely some tearing and stuff that was actually making me a little sick, to be honest. And how does the mouse feel to you? Is it just me, or is it well, like some syrup is stuck on on your Yeah, mouse? I had to spend a fair bit of time changing the mouse sensitivity because it was slow in the very beginning. It feels like it's either a, a V-Sync issue or a, a software mouse capture issue not working mm. 100%. Damn. But, I mean, it's little things. Deathloop is, is a good game that is suffering from little things until they smooth it over a few weeks from now, I'm assuming. But um, yeah, yeah, I played a bit of Deathloop. The one game you pick is the one game that actually has like a shitty launch. <laughs> Dude, it's not a shitty. Okay, it's no, it does have a shitty launch, but it's almost all of them. Yeah, like the last game I think I, I spent sixty dollars on launch for was Sekiro, and and everyone kind of the PC world at least really kind of like lucked out with that. Ever since Dark Souls won the FromSoftware, FromWare. PC releases have like launched on day one without a hitch. Yeah, Sekiro ran like butter. It was amazing. Yeah, it was great. It's not different from 2014. AAA multi-platform launches where the PC is oftentimes not the primary platform are better off waited at least a few weeks for some patches. So why did you opt to go with Deathloop then? How long to beat.com says it is under 20 hours. Ah. And of the uh, big current new releases, you know, I'm into stealth games and first person arcane, go through everyone's drawers games anyway, right? Mm. And yeah, I'm going to play that and the uh, the unmetal game Matt showed me over this week, the Metal Gear Solid parody. But, anyways, Deathloop, Deathloop, Deathloop. So what what do you think? I actually had it's coincidental. I had a very long talk with our Discord today, especially our user Contrail, who uh, she uh, Wait, had a good what? time talking to me about issues I have with it, and maybe other issues that other people don't have, which is player choice and the game encouraging you in certain ways or not encouraging you. Um, how how are you feeling? I am sorry to report that I have found that. Just kind of walking seems to be my primary playstyle in Deathloop. I might have <laughs> shot like four enemies in the face with the nail gun out of the four hours I was playing. It's still <laughs> deep in tutorial mode for what you were saying last week. That is true. The tutorial looks like it's going to go on forever. But it's uh, it's piss easy. It doesn't feel like I need to be shooting anyone. It barely feels like I need to be sneaking past anyone, too, because there's these alternate routes that the levels I've gone through so far have where there's just barely anyone patrolling them whatsoever. And when the gunfights do happen, despite how wacky and and silly the the weapons and powers are, there is still no quicker, easier, safer way to end the gunfight than just shooting someone in the face with the nail gun. 
pointing and clicking on bad guy heads. It kind of feels like they made this game before you guys. It feels like I've played this before. It feels like Dishonored. It feels a lot like more like Dishonored than its own thing. Oh, man, you're convincing me right now to get this game, man. You're convincing me so <laughs> hard, George. Well, maybe it'll get good later. Maybe it'll get good later. I'm only yeah. four hours in. Liam's yeah, longer more in than I am. So maybe yeah. he's gotten to the more of the good stuff. No, honestly, this was the thing I talked about today. In the Discord. No, I honestly played oh, more. Boy. No, I played more. I mean, I haven't really done much this week other than watch SpongeBob, but. <laughs> wow. Okay. I know, honestly, it's been a wild week. Don't be like me. <laughs> I'm not going to put a thousand hours into SpongeBob. I wish I could. I don't have that kind of time with the yellow sponge. But no, I did play some more. Because I wanted to see what the fuss is about. What are these 10 out of 10s? Like, I need to understand it. I do. I wonder if it's a Dishonored thing. Like, if playstyle determines. But even then, so I'll put it to you what the argument in the Discord was today. It was an argument. It was a discussion based on one of the points I said last week, which is the game doesn't encourage the player to use the toolkit that's extensive and given there's a lot of guns, there's a lot of powers, you're supposed to make loadout. They're silly guns. They're Wolfenstein guns. Yeah. And it never encourages you to use them in any way. In like the 10 to 12 hours I've played so far, it never encourages you to do so. It's just so easy to walk around. And I think a lot of people's perspective was, well, you can choose to choose the other guns and use them yourself. To me, that's a failure of the game. Yeah. Not encouraging the player to think about what the solutions might be to certain things. So, for example, mm -hmm. one of the things I talked about in the Discord would be, well, what if you had enemies that had helmets where you couldn't shoot them in the head with their nail gun? All of a sudden, you have a problem that needs to be overcome. It's not restricting you in using the nail gun. It's just that the nail gun is less effective. Therefore, encourages you as the player to think about, well, I have this ability that allows me to teleport. Maybe I can then drop some mines and I can do these things and I could maybe knock their helmets off. I could go invisible and like smack their helmets off. I think because the game is kind of a bit more open than Dishonored, Dishonored made you feel a little more on your toes and that stealth was more important and you had to utilize things more carefully. And of course the game rewarded you for doing so. Whereas in Deathloop, it doesn't matter because the you gain guns by killing people and getting in their face and you could either just go guns blazing or you could just walk around shooting people in the head with a nail gun. It doesn't really change anything because the AI is rather dumb for lack of a better word. So I don't know about you, George, are you like forcing yourself to use other things or because I don't feel in that time that I've played that the game ever encourages me to experiment with like all the things it's offering. Why do I need to change? I will later to see how it feels like that, but I did not so far. It was just holding down the W button and pointing and clicking on heads. Do you guys not feel it's kind of a failure of the game's design a little bit? And that might be harsh if the game doesn't encourage you as the player to think outside of the box more. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Agreed, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely, yeah. Deus Ex doesn't have this problem because there's enemies plastered everywhere. In Deathloop, it feels like there's one main route through the levels that has all the enemies. The alternate routes are there, but if you take them, there's just nothing there. There's no obstacles they placed in the way for you. And they're ultimately all the same enemy, right? Minus the visionaries and stuff like that. There's very little variance with the, what do they call them? Immortals? Uh, Eternalists. Eternalists, there you go. And I don't know if the aesthetic is quite where I wanted it to be either. The like retro spy, no one lives forever, Austin Powers motif seems really broken up by a lot of gritty trash everywhere and all the gratuitous amounts of blood and gore. It's mm. uglier than I thought it would be, is the thing. 
Are you getting that too? Yes, a little bit. I appreciate what they're trying to achieve with it. And I do kind of like its weird cold era aesthetic, but it's definitely more Austin Powers than it is James Bond to me. It's a bit more Austin Powers than it is anything else. <laughs> like Austin Powers' visual motif is big on pastel colors and groovy curvy shapes. And here you'll have the pastel colors and groovy curvy shapes placed in like a harsh diagonal city square covered in trash with little bits of blobs and balls that are covering up like that solid scheme of pastel colors that then gets broken up by all the dishonored blue metal. The Half-Life 2 artist whose signature trademark is like this kind of opaque sheen of a blue metal every now and then. Like the aesthetic is... It's all over the place because mm. the game looked so cool in marketing. I dig the retro Cold War aesthetic, of course. Retro Cold War games are my fave. They're definitely trying to hit upon what are the typical archetype stuff of that era, though. Like a here's like a TV set, like a 60s TV studio. And here is like a 60s space base. And the ugliest of 60s aesthetics, though, like it is the ugliest 60s TV they could find in the old catalogs yeah. next to like an egg chair with like a Brady bunch living room with Austin Powers flowers on the wall. But in front of all that is just so much little jagged pieces of trash. I don't know. They're just messing with my flow, man. <laughs> <laughs> and and all the, the like floaty bits of magic that the story is so depend on with terminology like eternalists. Eternalists is, you could just say like temporary immortals. Oh, well, that's just as terrible. But. It's just as terrible, but <laughs> there, there could have been more thought put into it. A word that doesn't take like three syllables. I do like the dialogue. I don't know how I feel about the dialogue either. <laughs> <laughs> I like Colt's voice actor a lot. I think his conversations with Juliana. He just screams. I think he talks quite realistically. And I also like some of the Eternalist stuff where it's like, oh, God damn, I hope it's not cult. And then the other person's like, what does it matter? You'll just be back alive tomorrow. That kind of stuff is funny. I feel like, you know, there's some attention to detail to the situation they're in. There's an awareness from the NPCs about what's going on, which is like the only awareness they ever show because you can kill someone in front of them and they have no fucking idea what just happened. They're very aware that they are in a campy, silly retro spy themed video game. They're far more aware <laughs> of that than they are of you walking casually past them down the street, making yeah. all the noise you can. <laughs> While Colt will then scream something like, what the fuck? I thought I was dead. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like he should be a protagonist in a, in a different game though. Like I might have the same kind of problem with Dishonored where I'm playing it too hard with my like, no trank, non-lethal ghosting strat. Can I ask you another thing that like is a weird nitpick of mine and I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I cannot stand the guitar distortion sounds they use for the menus. Fuck, okay, because the music and, and... No, the music's great, especially when it builds up. Yeah, that was like the one, the silver lining. No, no, I'm just talking about the no sound in the menus and every time you like roll over a button, it has like that Guitar Hero like feedback from like or like a distortion sound, you know, like coming through an amp. And it's kind of like grating on the ears because uh, you have to click so many menus and like you're doing the loadouts and all you hear is this distorted guitar sound every time. I don't know, it was a weird pet peeve of mine. Probably not bother anybody, but I actually was like looking for a button to turn it off. I was actively <laughs> like, this hurts my ears. Yeah, no, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to know. 
Okay, this is also one of those games where every time you turn your character's head, you hear a loud squeak of their shoes on the ground, and that drives me up a wall sometimes. Especially because the enemies can't hear. Oh. Say, okay, that's you. <laughs> well, you get your guitar menu thing. I get my character's shoes squeaking all over the floor when I'm whipping my mouse cursor around aiming at things. That could be our thing. As you can tell, we're having a great time with Deathloop over here, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like there should be a hard mode. I don't remember there being difficulty options in the menu, but there really absolutely should be a hard mode going on here, right? Like, what if it took two headshots? That's all I ask. Or if there was just a scale in variety, right? Like, and the fact that it gives you essentially three lives each time. I don't know. It feels like the balance is all over the place. There is a power fantasy there, which I understand. The idea is you're doing a loop where you keep killing people. Therefore, you should be really good at killing people or dispatching them. Yeah. I get that. But it never encourages you to do that in interesting ways. Like... Maybe changing over loops. So you're changing the loop. Therefore, why aren't the enemies changing in the loop too? So I don't know. I think there's kind of a missed trick somewhere. But I imagine people who can make their own fun. The game doesn't give you the encouragement to try things. It doesn't give you an enemy where you have to think about it and therefore try something else that you might enjoy that you then take on for the rest of the game because there's no reason to. But for players who make their own fun and choose to like, oh, I'm going to try this gun now. I wonder if I can like fire a headshot, blow him up into the mine. People who can make their own challenges like that. I think this game is going to be fun for them. I wonder if the whole you can revive three times kind of sort of in the middle of the game or right on the spot where you died mechanic is ending up biting them in the ass because I feel like I might experiment more if I could exploit quick saves instead. If I had a quick save button and a quick load button, I might feel the temptation to use something other than the gun. Like Dishonored had. <laughs> They have a three life system in a very easy game that makes me feel like I don't want to quick save anyway. But at the same time, since I can't experiment consequence free like that, I'm not experimenting at all. It's a weird middle ground that I don't think accomplishes what they would want a stealth focused player like me to be getting out of the game. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Do you regret your uh, purchase, your $60 purchase? Oh, yeah. I mean, already. Like, like as, <laughs> as soon as that money got siphoned out of my account, yes. Siphoned. Sif that's what you call spending money on people's creative hard work. Siphoning. You got to put it on the taxes. <laughs> so you got to put it on taxes. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll put it on the taxes. But yeah, when I run out of money and have to move out, I will be thinking about how I bought Deathloop for $60. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yes, yes, you are correct. I do regret it. I'm still crossing my fingers and hoping that the later levels are going to be more challenging or that I will just find some trick in this game, some playstyle quirk that will that will stick with me. So I'm not like, I'm not hopeless, but mm. if I had waited like a few months and bought the game when it was $40, I bet it would be smoother experience regardless anyway. You pick the worst game to buy for $60. You literally pick the worst game to buy for $60. Like literally the worst game you could buy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if I make a video that gets 100k <laughs> views and make enough money to not have to move out of the apartment when I end the video by saying that people should go to Skillshare.com and use the code BUNNYHOP? <laughs> you better get on that. <laughs> Where's the uh, Skillshare.com forward slash Dan Sons podcast? <laughs> 
there's a boss you can talk to if you really want to, but you won't like what they have to say. Anyways. <laughs> oh, no. You hear that, everybody else? I have asked the bosses, and I did not like what they had to say, so. Well, I could run through a bunch of my stuff. A run through. Okay. First, Eastward. I beat Eastward, and I got to say. Ooh. Yeah, the ending was fantastic, but. Oh, yeah, she beats it. God, I damn. still don't know what happened in that game. <laughs> that game is a is a, a mess. <laughs> that game is a mess. Like it's great. You're enjoying what's happening on the screen, but you have no idea what's going on. Like you kind of get a sense of it. Like it's not like you completely don't know, but you're like, why is this bum following around this little girl? Like you just don't know a goddamn thing. Like it, <laughs> And I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. It's not, you know, it's not Earthbound or anything like that. You know, I still haven't played Earthbound that much, but it's. I don't think it's that caliber. But um, it was fun. It was a good time. I went to basically consume a media ooh, that ooh. both of you guys liked. Ooh, ooh. So ooh. I did Squid Game. <laughs> yes. And Ted Lasso. Yes. For Liam. Yes. Right. So. Squid Game, fantastic, fan fucking tastic. <laughs> the fucking flute. Every time something weird is about to happen, oh, it's so good. Like, it's so good. It's so fucking good. Like, I mean, there's not much to say that you should watch that. It's like watching a, a continuation of like Parasite. You know, it's just like that weird feeling when you watch Parasite. It's like, oof, it's that same vibe. You know? That funny feeling. Yeah. yeah. Ted Lasso. Season one, some of the best TV I've seen. Yeah. Season two, what the fuck <laughs> is season two, man? Oh, significantly no. worse. <laughs> significantly worse. I have to say. I Not that I say I didn't enjoy I don't enjoy it, but it's just like Nathan, Sam. Like, what is happening with these characters. Yeah, I don't like what's happening with Nathan. I must admit, the second season is kind of weird at times. It really goes in a weird direction. Yeah. But I do still enjoy it. I feel like, the, well, I don't want to go into spoilers too much for people that haven't watched it. And George also hasn't watched it. But, yeah. but you see less of Ted, right? And Ted is the glue in the first season that you hold on to because he's so perfect, right? Yeah. But that's what the show is purposely trying to do in the second season, which is make you realize that he's kind of not real, right? Like, he's yeah. not this perfect human being, right? And then the second season gets more serious. Well, you, you find that on the first one, though. Well, you do towards the end of the first season with that amazing episode, which is the one where they go to karaoke and stuff like that. That episode is easily the best episode of the first season, I think. Yeah. But you, yeah. yeah, it starts to unravel more. Everyone always says Ted Lasso's positive. I don't think it is. Like, this is not some Christian show, no, guys. Like, no. don't go in <laughs> thinking some, like, you hear the Christ, the, the country Christian music in the, the fucking intro, and you're like, oh, okay, this is like some Christian. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's not. This is a real show. It's just a guy that's like, he rather used love yeah. in order to bring a community together, make people feel happy because he feels that people perform better that way. But there is a flaw in that, and they explore that. 
And I think that's yeah. I think that's fantastic. That's what I appreciated was how real he felt. Yeah, and there's a reason why he feels that way. Like I don't think it's a necessarily a positive show. You know, yeah. he himself is a positive person. I would mm. say that I think will grow into a more <laughs> even <laughs> person. Probably the same Ted, but just a more even person. This show is great. I'm questioning season two. I really am. Because, like, you go from loving a show 100%. I still have had tears at times. Yeah. Like, I go from 100 loving a show to just, like, mm, I don't, I'm going to wait. What episode are you, like, up to date? I'm on nine. I stopped okay, okay. And to wait for the last one next week. It's 11 episodes up right now. Also, Apple TV is pretty good. So is nine the beard episode or the... Nine is the episode where the new couple is kissing at the end. So you're uh, you're actually you're actually a little behind. Yeah, I stopped. I was like, I'm going to wait for the last episode. So you haven't seen the beard episode, which I thought it's so different and so mad, but I loved it. It's a, a great, weird okay. episode that just goes off the rails. Yeah, they've been going off the fucking rails, man. I really like it. But even with the second series, I think I really appreciate the show showing this character who I true dearly love. I mean, I've had a lot of fondness for TV characters. I think we all have, right? Yeah, I remember Ryoko from Tenshi Muyo. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Kamina from Gurren Lagann. <laughs> but I truly loved Ted in the first season. He is such a positive force. Yeah. But also yeah. the ability to show that someone can be like that and also go through some pretty intense struggles as well and still be... Hard on themselves, but positive to other people. Yeah. One of the most important things I thought it did to characterize him was show scenes where he like doubts himself in private behind closed doors around no one else. Mm. I felt like it was also trying to teach you about management techniques. <laughs> like there was some uh, actual like research and education that went into the show's writing in terms of trying to depict how and why a real human being who doubts themselves in privates would try to put on a show of overwhelming, obnoxious positivity to everyone else to accomplish a, a team goal together like uh they actually might have consulted with some business managers or something for nailing those aspects of it and uh yeah it's a very hard concept to nail so you're selling me real hard on season two of season of ted lasso it's still good it's just not what you expect i think for me i'm still really enjoying it but yeah yeah, yeah i'm definitely gonna finish it because i owe it to uh loving that first season so damn much yeah it's not like how Atlanta, where the second season was weird. For me, I think the second season, I just don't agree with what they, with some of the stuff. Like, I'm just like, mm. like, imagine that relationship reversed. Like, it would not work on TV. I just feel that it's just weird because the development of that relationship just doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? But maybe that's just me. I understand what they're trying to go for in terms of like, you know, you can fall in love with someone without seeing them, right? Yeah, but... Like Liam with uh, fictional characters. <laughs> they know what you want. They know the relationship you want. Yeah. Because they hinted at it, and then they flip the switch immediately. And it's just like, oh, right in the heart. They did do a little bit of hinting that it was Ted, and then they don't. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is, but yeah. God, what a TV show. What a show. It is a really good TV show. Despite me saying I really dislike it, it's people should watch it. 
it really they really should watch it. Aw. I'm very happy that two things I suggested you've digged. Both of you checked out Ted Lasso. I appreciate it. We kind of have the same taste most of the time. We do in TV, I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. George, Bayonetta. I can't believe that you've never sat down with a clean playthrough of Bayonetta before. I remember showing you how cool Bayonetta was on my Xbox 360, and then it red ringed midway through the first like intro tutorial <laughs> clock tower mash button sequence. And I have tried to get into Bayonetta like three times after that, and I could not get into that. But I beat it last night before the podcast, yes! before going to sleep. So why couldn't you get into it last time? And what's different about this time? It's just not my thing. It's not a mat game? Like, I've played Platinum games before, but like having like a sexy character fighting, like it just seems so one-dimensional. Like it just seems so, I don't know, like it's like nothing else is going on. And then you play it. But the fighting. Yeah. Once you get into it, it's really, really satisfying. I feel everyone's going to hate me when I say this, but Bayonetta is a fucking old ass game. <laughs> no, I think it's time. And does not hold up well at really? all. Really? Oh, I don't know about that one, though. No. Mm, I'm surprised. Like, the levels suck. The fighting. I just want to fight. Just let me fight because that's what's good. Oh, you're talking about, like, the puzzles the lightning the switch blocks the walking in large hallways i think i know what you're talking about what's this big open area constantly walking walking like you know what's great is when you become a panther and you can just fucking run through all this boring ass gray shit like this is like it looks like metal gear without it having some type of like mm, that juiciness you know what it looks like old counter-strike <laughs> You know, but after you upload the footage to YouTube and the compression fucks up the footage a bit, that's how Bayonetta looks like. It looks like shit. Like, it looks like garbage. No, no, it man. It does. Like, people look like it's been shot on an old Sony camera with all their, like, the flesh, the color in their skin just drawn out. <laughs> everything looks so dead and i'm just like oh my god add some color but the fighting is great i'm just like remembering the environments and i remember these like giant beautiful cathedrals with like reflecting pools that's all i remember too but i had the same problem i was like oh this is just devil may cry yes <laughs> it was like this is just devil may cry environments devil may cry yeah and like visually interesting monster designs that like pull from the Roman cherub statues and weird abstract Old Testament descriptions of angels being wheels of eyes. Again, you're talking about the fighting, which is the best part of the game. There is something about mashing some buttons and it automatically working and doing crazy combos, dodging everything that comes across, going into witch time, then fucking everybody up. Doing some type of weave combo blow. It's Wicked just weave. that is good. The boss fights, fun. So good. So good. So good. But everything else, it's bad. Like, I don't want to play it. I don't want to do any of the puzzles. I don't want to walk in empty ass open things with random people just like ghosts walking around that I have no idea what's going on. Like, it makes no sense. Like, the game makes no sense. Because you're in purgatory. And they're in, in regular mundanity. 
but that still affects the world, though. Yeah, because you're a divine entity. It's theological yeah, concept. Trying to make sense of something that does not make sense. <laughs> no, the story is weird, and, and the narrative goes all over the place. But the concept is that you are angels and demons fighting on some kind of spectral, ethereal realm that's not the same as the one people exist in, but still has influence on you know the coincidences that happen. Instead of a bench getting smashed in glorious fashion because of a battle between divine and evil entities, it's a fat person sitting on a bench and it breaking it that it happened stance moment. And I do remember there were a lot of dull industrial environments in the second half of the game, less so in, in Bayonetta 2. They're all dull. I don't think you can say those are dull. I will look up screenshots right now. Please. I please, will fucking do ahead. it. Please. If you Google image search for Bayonetta environments, you see pretty stuff. Make sure it's not Bayonetta 2. Okay, well, that one's Bayonetta 2, but Bayonetta 1 has <laughs> uh -huh. the, the Vigra. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. here's Bayonetta 1. <laughs> you see how Bayonetta 2 looks like? Wow. Wow. That is significantly better. <laughs> Bayonetta 2 has this, like, beautiful Byzantine cathedral on top of a reflecting pool. Bayonetta 1 has, like, a, a beautiful Catholic cathedral in the middle of a beautiful forest. Look at the colors, George. The colors, I must admit, I don't like the colors. It's very beige. Guys, guys, this is good for me because as you'll recall, I don't see the same colors. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. You know, I always forget that. Fucking hell. So it doesn't matter to you. So I literally am not seeing the same <laughs> dullness that you are. I'm seeing like Giz of Wool mud. Yes, exactly. What that is exactly what it is. It's like playing Gears of War 1. I'm an absolute Bayonetta apologist. I love Bayonetta so much, especially the original. One of my favorite games. But yeah, I'm watching the original trailer and I remember a lot of the colors were very muted. Bayonetta herself is fucking cool as shit all hell, right? Yes. It's one of the more colorful games of the brown and bloom PS3 era of that like, like 2008, right? Wasn't that when it came out? Well, actually, wait. Because the PS3 version of Bayonetta was very, very bad, so. And around that time when HDR effects were getting big, like game developers would get way too intense with the color grading. I remember Metal Gear Solid 4 definitely looking dull and brown. <laughs> Whoa. Does take place in a no. desert. <laughs> Metal Gear 4 did not look dull. Yeah, no, Metal Gear Solid 4 looked dull. I will look up screenshots. I'll fucking do it. You're color blind, George. <laughs> Damn, the original trailer had Going In For The Kill, which is a banging song by LaRue. They had some good music for, and they have Fly Me To The Moon for Bayonetta 1 or Bayonetta 2. Bayonetta 1, I think. For people who have an emotional attachment to Bayonetta because, you know, they played it when they're young and they jacked off in the fucking bathroom <laughs> while their mom was making breakfast. Okay, I like the game, okay? I like the game. No, you're insulting a depressed minority. <laughs> I like the game. I love the game, and I'm just glad that you like the combat and that the combat still holds up because it's amazing. Yeah, the combat is fun. The combat is great. I mean, that's what Platinum does, right? Yeah. I think they get better, though. I think Bayonetta is lower on the Platinum spectrum there, for sure. Because I think this is like the beginning of them becoming like great, right? Like, I, I remember playing near Auto Tomato. That, that significantly, that was fun. <laughs> Even though the story's nonsense. Yeah, but not as fun as Bayonetta. Not as fun as Bayonetta, no. But it's a later game, though. So I understand that. So it's nice to play a game that where they started from. What was their first game? Uh, was it Vanquish? What, which one was it? Uh, no, Bayonetta came before Vanquish. 
Yeah. You got to remember they were Clover. They came out of Clover Studios, right? Clover. Mad World. Mad World was technically their first. That was not before Bayonetta. Let's see. March 10, 2009 was Mad World. Really? That was before Bayonetta in 2010? By a couple months. But okay, by like seven months. But it was half a year before Bayonetta was Mad World. Yeah, Mad World. Yeah, I do remember the Mad World, the Wii game that was all black and white and had you shaking the controllers yeah. to kill people. I liked Mad World a lot. Yeah. It was great. And then Anarchy Reigns. I actually also kind of enjoyed Anarchy Reigns as well. It's short-lived life. Metal Gear Rising. Yeah, Metal Gear Rising. <sighs> that was great. Bayonetta. Bayonetta 2. But Matt, what about like the characters in the dialogue and the acting and, and uh, the motion captures? I think it starts off pretty strong and wacky because I kind of like how stereotypical the characters are. They're pretty funny. And I think it gets better because it gets a dip because it's just Bayonetta by herself. And it's just Bayonetta by herself is not quite as good as Bayonetta with other people, I got to say. Yeah, she has the coolest friends. Yeah. (laughs) Like when she meets the little girl, like I feel like when she meets the little girl, she's grounded in reality because she's just like this character that just likes to be sexual, right? Like she loves her body, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm adding a little bit too much to her character, right? It's a little caveat thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, she's grounded in reality when she meets the little girl. And it makes, like, it makes her f- seem human all else. Because before then, it's just like she's just going around like doing weird shit, you know? Like that's when I started to kind of enjoy it a little bit more. Especially because you turn into a panther like right after that. Because I didn't have to look at the stages anymore. (laughs) Because the panther is the best upgrade in the fucking game. (laughs) Because you get to run fast through like boss fights and everything like that. And it's super fun. Like dodge out of panther, get back into panther is satisfying as fuck. And then going to panther mid combo to go around people and do comp. Oh, super fucking fun. The gameplay is fantastic. Combat is fantastic. It's so good. Just the world and stuff like that. And yeah, I would say there's a dip in, you know, a couple hours in and then it goes right up. And I played it straight through after that took me what like eight hours that's not bad it's pretty good i think it was definitely worth a playthrough i'm not gonna say it it was not a bad experience or anything like that but it was a mixed bag (laughs) what is it 11 years old now yeah yeah it's old it's old exactly that's what i'm saying it's old it doesn't hold up that's it that's it. it doesn't hold up in that aspect because there's devil may cry did stuff like that too back in the day where you have to like do combos to unlock shit like what the fuck (laughs) <laughs> let me just let me just walk do other cool shit you know but yeah I don't know anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's this unnecessary roadblock over and over and over again I think it's fair to criticize something that came out as a narrative I think if we look at a lot of games from that point is that 360 era the PS3 era was a lot of brown a lot of a lot of tinge a lot of brown a lot of brown even Gears of War Gears of War, one of my favorite games. Yeah, I mean, they were the kings of it. 
Yeah, they're the kings of shitty ass looking games. But I love that shit. Well, I wouldn't go that far. But the colors were very muted. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. By shitty, do you mean low quality or do you mean fecal matter? I mean, sorry, the colors. Sorry, the colors were shitty. I love those games. Come on now. Because it definitely has a brownish color scheme. Sometimes there's some bright green thrown in. I still have muscle memory for playing Gears of War. Ooh. I'm super glad you played Bayonetta, though. It's like one of those things that I would highly recommend anybody it's to play because I do feel like the gameplay, the cool gameplay of that game is timeless. It feels still so good. And one of the things that's so impressive about Bayonetta 2 is the animations are like the next step up. But they're fucking sick as oh. hell. Which was kind of one of the things I was disappointed about the Bayonetta 3 trailer that just came out with the Nintendo Direct from last week oh, that we didn't get a chance no. to talk about is that it kind of looked similarly like this is weird because I don't want to nag on Bayonetta because I love it but Bayonetta 3 looked kind of dull in terms of the environments all Shibuya what about Bayonetta 2 is Bayonetta 2 good George? Bayonetta 2 is great yeah Okay. My only problem with Bayonetta 2 is I don't like Bayonetta's haircut in Bayonetta 2 <laughs> I prefer the way she looks in one with the long hair the short bub yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that's my only problem with Bayonetta 2. I think it's a brilliant game. So Bayonetta 2 has like that intro scene and it's supposed to be New York City, it looks like. I just don't understand how you can say the environments are dull. Like so good. It's because you can't see it, George. <laughs> it begins with you on top of a clock tower falling through space and time. That's, that's funny you mention that because that's like the coolest part right there is that. I definitely remember the second half. But there's no more of that, George. Just only like spamming A to jump from things to one thing to another thing to another thing. I want to fight on a falling piece of rock again, but you never do that again, which kind of sucks. The only dull level I remember is the crashed airplane and how the hallways are metal corridors. Like, I even remember, like, the evil corporation tower at the end still looking, like, kind of fun and sleek and shiny, and maybe my colorblindness is a blessing and not a curse after all. Yo, okay, so this is not about games. This is tangential, but I had a ceiling fall on me one time in one of those old <laughs> shitty houses because the, the pipes were not rated for freezing temperatures. And the city of Atlanta had its like one or two days of freezing weather that year. And the people who were living there didn't drip their faucets out because apparently that's something you got to do in an old shitty house that has old shitty pipes is drip the faucets during freezing weather. And so the pipes clogged up and burst and while I was trying to work on them, the panel of ceiling drywall soaked up some water and fell on top of me. Yeah. What? So, like, that's the kind of stuff that can happen to you in old shitty houses that are still millions of dollars on the market right now. Jesus Christ, what the hell? Yeah, no, I don't want that. Very importantly, though, we need to break the sad news, though, Matt. What? What's the sad news? That. People might get excited at hearing that news for historical reasons, right? The roommate sagas of the past. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, that's right. The hunting apartments and the strange people that you've met. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, we got to break the, the sad news, right? I'm not going to have a roommate, guys. I'm going to be by myself. <laughs> I welcome it is what I'm used to. And I miss it so much. I miss it so much. Oh my god, just to walk out in your in your fucking boxers, dude. 
Yeah, I think it's different if you live with someone who you aren't friends with, right? It's not like you're not friends with your housemate, but you, you didn't choose it, yeah. right? You live there out of necessity, right? Yeah. I think that's a bit different because technically you are living alone. It's just that someone is in your space because yeah. you, you don't occupy it in the same space as them in terms of friendship or whatever. Yeah. I got rid of the roommate in 2017 and the first couple of years were nice and then the pandemic hit. And, mm. and then I, I broke up with my girlfriend, and now it's the fucking worst being here alone. Well, I don't know. Eddie's here now, but before then, it was the fucking worst. Which is why a lot of people get dogs. Between the girlfriend breakup and the dog, it was the fucking worst living in a even a tiny apartment by myself. There's something freeing about it. There's something like being able to do what oh, yeah, I no, want absolutely. when I want. I can wake up at 2 a.m. and make me... A shake like I can just do whatever the fuck I want you know like yes. I kind of I miss that shit you can be the naked housemate this time yes exactly but if the rest of your life is like like in a in a shitty place it will feel worse it's all balancing and then lifestyle choices and habits which is why I'm thinking of like renting instead of buying and renting like a decent place, not something too expensive, but not something, well, not too expensive here in California. Trust me, there's more expensive apartments, but just something nice that just in case something happens next year, something could happen. And I'd be like, all right, I want to move and I could just cut the lease and move. Yeah. Those historical houses are so shit. You know what? Actually, I think. That was the difference with the Japanese housing market versus the Western one is that they don't appreciate the value of old shitty houses. Well, Japan has a very serious problem right now in regards to the fact that they have just so many abandoned houses, right? Like old machia houses. There's like, I don't know, tons of programs to get people to buy yeah, like derelicts or like, you know, run down yeah. old machias where... Oh, there's such shitty houses for so much money yeah but in japan they're not that you can buy them for like twenty thousand dollars that's how it should work if you buy an old shitty game it's cheap but if you buy an old shitty house it's millions of dollars well it depends if it's rare right so the thing is and a lot of people are doing this now if you have the money to be able to renovate and stuff because of course you're going to have to do that you can't just move into a twenty thousand dollar match here because you'll die in the winter and you'll die in the summer because you'll have no aircon and you'll have no ability to heat yourself and you'll just have insects everywhere. But, <laughs> you know, there are some prime spots, especially here in Kyoto, where there are abandoned houses in like areas that cost a lot of fucking money. So you can buy one of these things for, you know, $20,000 or whatever. And if you've got the money to renovate it, which probably is as, especially because the size isn't that big in Japan, but you've got to adhere to some very strict regulations because it is Kyoto. You could probably make yourself a really nice house and a really, really prime spot. How much would that cost? Let's say it costs a quarter of a million to renovate fully to make it into a nice Whoa. house, but you will have only paid 270,000 total and you will have a house that probably will go up to at least half a million to quarter, three quarters of a million, mm. being in one of the heaviest tourist places of the, of the world in a prime spot. Yeah. Why are people doing that? People are not into real estate over there? Not really. There isn't that kind of affluent wealth in Japan. There isn't the ability to do that, right, oh. really. And also, you've got to realize that these houses are abandoned because the family hasn't taken them over or the family line has ended with whoever was there last. Oh. And a lot of the times, you know, people already have houses. You know, there's a lot of these houses tend to be 
houses that get passed through generations. Like that's still a thing in Japan. But now we have, you know, people move away and, you know, the house gets left and people just don't want to deal with it. And also, especially in a place like Kyoto, which is so historical and so regulated, it would be a trial, you know, to go through. Like I have a friend, Jake Kasdal, who uh, runs 17-Bit Studios, the guys who made Galaxy. His wife is Japanese. He's been in Kyoto a long time. He knows a lot about Japan, speaks Japanese. He's been trying to build his house Oh, he has built his house where they bought one of these matches or they bought the land and they knocked it down completely and just built it from scratch. But the problem is doing that meant that they had like very strict regulations that they had to adhere to. And I think there was one instance, I mean, it's probably not my business to say, but, you know, there was one instance where they put a fence post 10 centimeters over in the wrong direction to someone else's thing, built like, you know, a trench or whatever to put these fence posts. And then the council immediately came and was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, this is 10 centimeters off your land in someone else's land. You cannot do that. And they, and they had to fix it. It cost like $10,000 to rectify this one mistake that was like 10 centimeters over. It's like that strict. So even though they have programs to encourage people to do it. You can say fucking Japan, J- Japanese. Yeah, there's, there's no colorful language in Japanese, right? They're all nice people. Oh, there is. There is. <laughs> Especially when you're not in the room. <laughs> that fucking gaijin. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you had the time and the money, or you had the money and you paid someone's time to do it, you could easily set yourself up quite nicely. If you were rich and you wanted to have a second home in Japan, maybe that'd be a possibility, but... There are programs now. George, you want to go have these? <laughs> no. <laughs> George, it's those double just... income tax. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Americans have to pay tax back, even if you live in Japan. Oh, I my about God. That. I fucking hate America, man. <laughs> <laughs> God, man. <laughs> well, I think you can get out of that by, like, rescinding your citizenship back to the store. No, that sounds... Sounds bad. <laughs> well, you're not going to become a Japanese citizen anytime soon. So you'd have to spend 10 to 15 years first before Jesus you're able to do that. Christ. Yeah, wherever you rolled the lottery to be born of significantly impacts how much money you can spend on a house when you're an adult. <laughs> I think we rolled the dice pretty well. <laughs> we were talking about Bayonetta... <laughs> video games. Yeah, now we're, we're talking about the housing market. Yeah. yeah. How how did that happen? It's that stage of dad life. Yeah, it is. You reminisce about a game, and then it turns out that game maybe wasn't as bright and colorful as you once imagined. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. Bayonetta's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> she still looks as good as she did when we were in love, okay? <laughs> exactly, my She point. looks oh great. My God. She hasn't aged. She has not aged. <laughs> She looks great. I mean, they spent all the time on her. They didn't spend any time on the world design at all. No. It <laughs> it's, has like, it's like they clicked and dragged the triangle and rectangles and no. they just dragged it across the whole screen. Okay. <laughs> for the, right, sec- right. I, the second half, there are some in- industrial <laughs> levels, but I, I feel like it's kind of tapping into that Dark Souls energy of like Japanese people thinking that Western cathedrals are cool as shit. And going really exaggerated with the architecture. The beginning of both Bayonetta games, I think, has some beautiful environment art. Ah! Okay. It's rather generic. It's it's very Japanese video game generic. Mm. You know, it, it is definitely like that. Though I'm gonna eventually have to buy a 
it on uh, the Switch. A Wii U. A Switch. Yeah, a Wii U. Oh, Wii U yeah. yeah. A Wii U. Uh, the, <laughs> no, they a dusted Wii U. It off. <laughs> Seriously? No, it's on the Switch. It's on the Switch. Everything's ported to the Switch now at this point. There's, there's, the dream is dead. It's on the Switch. Is 2 on Switch? Yeah. Oh, okay, Switch. okay. I yeah. think they all are at yeah. this point. Good, 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 good. Yeah, good. I'm not getting a Sorry, Wii U. Yeah, you can buy the double pack. <laughs> Also, yeah. they're on PC too, so you don't need Wait, no, any of that plastic. Bayonetta uh-huh. two is not. Bayonetta two is not. Well, Bayonetta one is, and ba- the best version of Bayonetta one is the PC version. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. that's one one I played. But Bayonetta two is. I don't think it's going to come to PC because it's like a Nintendo exclusive thing, right? Does Bayonetta two get on the Switch? Does it get the amazing costumes that are the Nintendo themed ones for Bayonetta two? Do you still get I don't them? Think so. You get a Star Fox one, you get a Peach one, you get a Toad one, you get a Mario one, you get a Luigi one. one, you get a Link one, they're, and they're all really good. Yeah, they're on the Switch versions. I just looked good, it up on good, the good, good. Bayonetta That's fan good. wiki. Yeah, they're really good. Especially the Star Fox one where you got you get all wings on your on your feet. It's amazing. And then the flying section turns into an all wing. So cool. Is Bayonetta 2 better than 1? Uh, I think they're about on par with each other. I think they're pretty similar games, all things considered. I would probably say I think Bayonetta 2 is the better game, I but so. I was obsessed with Bayonetta 1. Okay. So A lot of boys were obsessed with Bayonetta yeah, 1. Yeah, I feel like the second half holds up stronger in Bayonetta 2. But Bayonetta 2 has, uh, has a repeat boss fight that can be a bit annoying. I don't like when games do that. But I also want to point out that however cool you think those Nintendo costumes are, they do not compete with playing Bayonetta at an unlocked frame rate for all the... That's true. The, the, the lauding you were giving of the animation and how smooth and crisp the combat feels. Oh, that game no. is old enough and they optimized it well enough to where like when I was doing my PC playthrough, I swear it was locked at 140 fucking four frames a second for the whole way through. And that game is... is, yeah, is It feels... Feels so good. Yeah. It's it's designed to be really smooth and flowy in the first place. And when you unlock the frame rate, it's uh, it it uh, it oh, it definitely feels worth uh, you know waiting a few years for a cheaper version to come out on PC to iron out all the kinks. Which is why I've been I I wait for a lot of stuff to come out on PC, man. Damn, I I've become a PC snob when I I wasn't at all. Just slowly, it's like oh, I Persona Five, uh, Bloodborne. I would love to have it on PC. Yeah, Good uh, Persona Five has a chance, a better chance of coming to PC than Blood Bloodborne. Yeah, right. Yeah, I might as well just beat Bloodborne now. I'm almost done. God, what a game! <laughs> what great games we're talking about. Yeah, good yeah. fucking Bloodborne, video games. Bloodborne is definitely a good game. It's Ugh. it's stressful, but it's it's definitely a good game. <laughs> Very fucking stressful. Bayonetta Three is is now back in the news again. There, there were trailers that uh, came out during the the direct. Is it spoilery? Um, a few days I ago. Watch it. Yeah. No, no, no. She just she just does a dance in the middle of a fight for no reason oh. and starts. Yeah, uh, I was uh, kind of disappointed by the trailer, if I'm entirely honest. But I'm just happy that Bayonetta three still exists. I already knew that, but it does. <laughs> so. <laughs> They had a teaser that was just a logo and nothing else, and they put that out like two and a half years ago. It, Bayonetta 3's been fine for a while. <laughs> there were worries that it was caught up in some kind of development hell problem because it no. was so long ago since the first uh, teaser announcement. 
Yeah, Bayonetta 3 is fine. I think if I if I was a gambling man who may have insider trading information, it would be the fact that they have this big new game that's a live service game with Square Enix that kind of took precedent in the studio. You know, they, Bayonetta's an actual good game. Well, I don't know, because we haven't played Babylon's Fall yet, have we? But, you know, that's uh looks like to be their big hot live service ticket that I think probably took a lot of the studio's time. I'm I'm new. like I'm not like some super hardcore Bayonetta I'm fan, <laughs> but like, wouldn't it be great to have Bayonetta three come out on PC looking like near? Wouldn't that be like amazing? Yes, but it's a Nintendo exclusive, isn't it? So it wouldn't exist without Nintendo. So yeah. Well, that's what they. That's what Kamiya keeps saying, isn't it? I mean, that's what they said about Bayonetta too. They literally said it wouldn't exist without Nintendo. So because people don't didn't buy these games, even though you know they're the best game at then ever. that's and, why and sometimes totally you wrong. have to pay sixty dollars for a good video game yeah and all sometimes they didn't market them either like what well, what what can you expect at that because they had no budget to market it it costs enough to make the bloody thing I, in the I, first I place understand. They, but they're popular aren't they am i missing something like near though near is like super fucking popular Nier is more popular than Bayonetta yeah. somehow, some way. Easily. Of course Nier I, is more easy. popular. She has... Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> forget it. Like, it, like literally, literally they sell games a certain way. But yeah, that's, that's, that's weird. By the though. costumes. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm like... Because then Soul Calibur would be way more popular than... And Nier, I mean, Nier Automata sold five million. That's that's crazy. That's a and lot. And it's of a copies. real fluke. Like near the original didn't sell. It's famously a, a cult classic undersold game. Near Automata was a huge success, and I don't think anyone really knows why. No, I don't know why. Good video game, I guess. Yeah. And also the story, and also, also what Matt was talking about. Yes, exactly. You know why it was popular. <laughs> Because little boys get to play it. It's the same way Bayonetta was so popular back then. It's the same thing. Bayonetta is is popular because of a, a refined, smooth combat and and and, and fascinating, over the top humor. But no, sex still sells in twenty twenty one. Like it still sells. So. People, you know, there's still little boys in the bathrooms while their mom is making oatmeal, you know, and toast. There comes a time in every man's life (laughs) (laughs) where you, uh, you might be a little, little ashamed about the time and the place where, where you, you felt the urge to, (laughs) to reminisce on your favorite memories of Bayonetta. Oh my God. Every time you reach the climax and you press, have to press Y and B together. Yeah, the attack is literally called the climax. Yeah, and she strips completely naked. Yeah, it's great. She has her little hair censorship, and it's It's it's, so it's such a weird game. (laughs) It's such, but it's also like you know owning it in a honest, like positive, fun way that you know the near games do as well. But Bayonetta has way better combat and way more fun characters. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I would say so. If if we have to get into a waifu war, I know who I'm picking. Oh my god! So you know, this is 
you guys are cutting into my new world time. So I'm going to need you guys to wrap it up. Yeah. Well, actually, I wanted to ask you if you are still feeling tempted to uh, cross the picket line, so to speak, mm -hmm. and pick up Diablo <laughs> 2 Resurrected. Because there's some interesting soul searching going on in the, the reviews and reception of that game. A lot of people are wondering if that's really what they wanted. It's out. It's out. It has a yeah. Metacritic score of 82, which you wow. know, is fine, but strong. kind of on the low end of fine. From you know, Blizzard, with, yeah. yeah. With Liam, the, the review scores are always strong if it's an 8 or above. I didn't see any video reviews, though. Where are the video reviews? No one has reviewed it. I think we know that answer. Why? What's the answer? Because I couldn't figure it out. Don't touch potentially hot coals at the moment, big outlets, who are at the same time reporting crossing the picket line. Oh, yeah. because of the bullshit. Okay, that's good. That's good. Destructoid didn't care because Destructoid released the review. <laughs> of the reviews that exist, there seems to be a kind of interesting moment going on where people are like, yeah, it's a 20-year-old game with updated graphics, but is that really... What we wanted all along. I've I've heard it I've heard it be referred to as soul searching, of simultaneously reckoning with how old and and you know, like maybe what you were kind of doing with Bayonetta, of of having a reckoning with how old games sometimes do not age well, mm. and also having to reckon with all the the baggage of the uh lawsuits and, and the company and then you know woman committed suicide but i said i wasn't gonna play it so i i just i saw it came out and i was like eh, okay stuck with his virtues like a good boy yeah i tried to look at a review no reviews and i was like hmm that's not a good sign <laughs> and i just moved on with my life um because like really i i i'm a huge fan of this action rpg genre like I mean, oh yeah, you got into Path of Exile. That was your hunt showdown for a little yeah, while. That that game yeah. I can play now. <laughs> I can I can play that all the time. That is a game that is just super fascinating to me and it's always something to learn and I'm still a fucking noob at that game. I'm still looking up guys to trying to figure out what's new and what they have changed because they do all these huge long changes with all these freaking gemstones. Like, it's just ridiculous. 1,000 hour long, never ending game that you'll never get good at, that you want to get good yes, at so yes, bad. Exactly. exactly. Um, Fuck. Yeah, there's always going to be I someone higher that that's on the leaderboard. It's always. That's not going to be a good thing in the long term. Games like tapping into weird addictive vulnerabilities <laughs> like that um, I've, I've actually put it under control of, which is actually not that i used to be really bad with being addicted to some of these things man hopefully I, i'm pretty sure well i'm gonna play new world i'm like oh i'm gonna enjoy this game but i'm gonna go like you know work out now you know i think i think i have i think i have control. exercise talk to girls <laughs> well talk to talk to anybody really it's being social in general is just like a little you know george it's healthy yeah, because you, you kind of yeah. need it sometimes. Yeah, our brains are built to be wandering around with the pack all day and not <laughs> sitting in an apartment by ourselves all day. I, I, I do like being by my... I, I like, I'm like half of each, introvert, extrovert. I just wanted to bring up a, a little bit of... Uh, uh, on, on the line of, of, of uh, childhood nostalgia being exploited through addictive marketing Ooh. practices, um, commercial practices... 
uh, a Hot Wheels game came out, kind of blindsided me from nowhere, and ended up getting a 9 out of 10 from IGN and some other publications. Uh, other publications were given this game some 7 out of 10s. The reviews over Hot Wheels Unleashed are divisive. And it seems like the line gets drawn on how much childhood nostalgia you have for Hot Wheels toys as a kid, plus how tolerant you are of a loot box microtransaction grind going on. Because other than that, this game looks like a really, really fun F-Zero style, super duper fast arcade racer. But um, the, the, the 9 out of 10s and 7 out of 10s are drawn on that line of um, whether or not you have childhood nostalgia for the thing and how willing you are to put up with the potentially addicting unlocking loop, a, a potentially exploitive unlocking loop. It did look pretty. It looks gorgeous. I mean, it looks yeah. fast. It looks fun. It looks legitimately fun. I'm actually tempted to try this stupid thing out. So what, what um, are some of the comments in terms of, is it just specifically about the tolerance for the loot box stuff? Well, the thing is, is that when you unlock a new car, you either have to win a race, I, I think at a certain difficulty level or above, or um, roll a random loot box unlock. Like, you don't get to pick the thing that uh, you are unlocking, and that rubbed uh, a, lot of, a lot of publications the wrong way, even though there are these really, really solid arcade racing mechanics and... And, and environments and cars absolutely made with like a love for the original line of toys and also something that looks like it would really scratch my F-Zero itch that has been going on for years. Yeah. Ooh, a DeLorean. A big nine from IGN, though. Right, it's right. I mean, people, people will, will talk shit about how inconsistent review scores are regardless, but you can't like overlook something like that. This does look hella fun. Yeah, it looks really smooth. When a 9 out of 10 from IGN is the outlier, that means there's probably some sort of way to legitimately enjoy the product at hand, depending on how uh, your your childhood determined your adult preferences. This looks great, yeah, though. Looks... I mean, the game itself looks, looks really good. Yeah, it looks smooth. Yeah. Right? Right? And you uh, rarely see, like, kids licensed toy games look that good the spongebob um nickelodeon all-stars battle brawl game (laughs) looks fun to play but the graphics are like generations behind the times whereas this looks like some some next gen cutting edge tech demo hot wheels game Mm. god i missed do you remember micro machines was it micro machines v3 on the ps1 Oh, 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 you're talking about the video game. I thought you were talking about like the intense competition no. in the market between Hot no, Wheels no, no, and no. Micro Machines. I mean, Hot Wheels was always the winner. I mean, yeah. considering yeah. that pretty much the only ones who exist. <laughs> I am surprised to see that a, uh, a, a, a perfect dark game is being worked on. Oh, interesting. And in a few years. Yeah. We, we have a developer, uh, Crystal Dynamics and the Initiative, who I think were actually formed by old Crystal Dynamics veterans who made a, a spinoff studio that was doing contract work since then. Is, the Initiative uh, are a publisher, I, th- I, oh, I think. Are, are they? I, it's, it's, they're, they're new. They don't have a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird to I think they're a part nail of, down uh, what they what are. What are they called? Private Division, I think they're called. 
An American video game development company is what Wikipedia says. Oh, fair enough. The company was founded in 2018 to build quadruple A games for the Xbox consoles and Windows. Quadruple. Now working on a new installment. And fucking quadruple A perfect dark reboot. Okay, if we're if we're playing games starring sexy ladies in skin tight outfits, apparently that's that's gonna be the next trend. I guess that's what everyone wants these days to cool them off from all the existential angst of living through the 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 pandemic Trump eras. But let's talk about the real fun news that happened this week, the one that everyone has some kind of hot take on. And also something that's like <laughs> impossible not to just have a nice, fun little laugh over. I'm so glad that this happened and that I get to talk with it with you guys. The cast for the animated Mario movie has been announced and every single choice is a hilarious joke. Some of these are amazing. Starting from most to least important characters, we have fucking Chris Pratt as Mario. Woo, yeah. (laughs) Oh boy. I I don't want to never say never because because I think what's happening here is that he did a lot of voice work and a lot of solid good voice work for the Lego movies. He was great in that movie, to be honest. But was he an Italian plumber that we all love and adore? I do not think so. Can he? I don't know. You don't never say never, right? He posted an Instagram update that is. <laughs> Where he looks absolutely exhausted at the camera and and says, it's blowing my mind that like when I was a kid, I was I was playing the the, the Super Mario Brothers arcade game before the before even before the console back in my laundromat with mom. And, and now I'm voicing the character. And then he says, but I feel like I might be stealing someone else's dream. And then at the end of the Instagram post, he says, but, you know, it's a me, Mario. By the way, that's not the actual voice. We're, we we worked really hard on the voice. You'll have to wait and see the movie to hear the real voice. Like he, on top of of him being not everyone's obvious first choice on 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 the bracket, he uh, he actually has said the words "It's a me, Mario," not in the voice, but in a way that sounded very very exhausted and tired. But regardless, he still seems excited for the movie. There, there is 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 apparently baggage associated with him and in his his anti LGBT church, according to some rumors. Oh, wait, Other what? rumors yeah. displaced them, but I mean, it, in terms of like offensive Hollywood characters, Chris Pratt, I don't think has gotten in big trouble. There's always fucking something, isn't there? There's always fucking something, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Chris Pratt was was you know trafficking minors into sex rings or anything. How can you be in Gardens of the Galaxy and then be part of some stupid-ass church? Like, okay. Well, he said that his church is welcoming to people of all kinds, but I, that's, he said, she said. What the fuck? I think when you get down to the brass tacks of, like, what actually passes the standards of journalistic rigor, the controversies and baggages associated with Chris Pratt, I don't think they've crossed that line yet. Anyways, yeah. yeah, Chris Pratt, I feel, could go either way. In any case, it's a hilarious, controversial choice in the short term. Wait and see to see what we get. 
But I fucking love Charlie Day as Luigi. Charlie Day <laughs> as Luigi is already tickling me pink. When I close my eyes and visualize the kind of scenarios, I imagine a, a panicked Luigi waving his arms around in some sort of high-pitched squeal, whining about how he's underappreciated and does all the work of the brothers and, and having the, the, un, the unsung janitorial hero of Patty's Pub take a role like that is like like brilliant like i feel like whoever made that choice had a Got better right. vision <laughs> for for what kind of character and, and personality should be associated with the movie version of luigi than than anything i was able to picture up oh yeah that's another thing is that this is going to be movie versions of the characters so charles martinet's Typical classic the definitive Mario voice of, of being like, hey, it's me, Mario. Let's make some pizza and pasta. Yahoo, yippee. That might not work <laughs> for a whole 90 minutes of a more dialogue-driven Mario, so maybe that's why they went with Chris Pratt. They've also Yeah, but said, wouldn't it have been funnier? Wouldn't it have been funnier to have every character in the movie be voiced by these famous superstars and then the main character just be Mario in Charles Martin and just be like, woohoo! <laughs> I think that would be talking. fine. I think that would be that like be the so default funny. vanilla safe choice that people were expecting out of this. Like the, so, so Charles Martinet is going to be in here at some point. He is uh, credited as special cameos. My Miyamoto has said he'll be involved. The Twitter account said that he has special cameos. So it's not like they totally snubbed him and deleted him. I think, I think this was a strategic choice based on them doing tests and deciding whose voice audiences would rather listen to for 90 minutes if Mario turns out to be a dialogue-driven character at all. Charlie Day as Luigi is such a strong fucking choice, and the character and the humor behind him would nail this joke down so well that I almost would not be surprised. I want to bet 25 cents on maybe this actually being the sort of situation where everyone will come out of it thinking Luigi stole the show. <laughs> like, maybe Luigi will have a lot of... A, a lot of screen time and and be the secret hero of the story and and they'll they'll stealth release it as a as a grand Metal Gear Solid Two style bait and switch of Luigi <laughs> actually being the main character. I I I think Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong is like Seth my favorite. Seth Rogen is Donkey is Kong. My favorite. <laughs> Just hearing him, his laugh, so, if they're going to have his laugh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> him trying to do a Donkey Kong voice is going to be fucking great. That's another one. It's just like, uh, how, what up, Mario? how were they like clever enough to come up with that? Because it's such a good choice. Yeah. Like I, I can so easily visualize a, a, a chill stoner Donkey Kong just like cracking some some silly jokes while swinging in his hammock and then absolutely going ape shit and, and reacting very, very harshly in, in classic Rogan-esque uh, fashion when when King K. Rule comes to steal all his bananas. Yeah, yeah. Seth Rogen, he was even wearing the Donkey Kong colors in the headshot they chose. <laughs> For the headshot they went with Chris Pratt, it's like very muted, uh, almost black and white colors. But for Seth Rogen, like, it's almost Seth Rogen in a Donkey Kong costume. I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture on the, the Discord and post it in the description. I think the only one that I'm weirded out by is Chris Pratt being Mario. 
Everything right. else, yeah, yes. that is that is the one, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Everything else is fine. Mm-hmm. Like Jack Black as Bowser is gonna be fun. That's gonna be so good. That is gonna be Keegan Michael Key. I am Key's so Toad, much more excited. Fun, like that uh-huh. one is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's weird, and but it's it gonna be. But it still makes sense. What up, Mario? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, but the, Toad is like famous for high pitched exasperation, and, and there's a lot of really funny he's Key and Bill yeah, sketches where he yeah. does that. Yeah. I've watched all um, this. It's gonna be. It's gonna the, be the actress for Peach is kind of an, an unknown at the moment. Uh, I Wait, think it's Anna Taylor Joy. Yeah, you you watched Queen's Gambit, right? Of course. Uh, I watched some of it. Yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah. she's hot How, shit. Who, who is she? How is she? Is she's she really funny? good? She's really good. She's a good actress. Who knows yet whether she can be Peach. Yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. hoping that they be funny about it. And this cast list has me thinking that, like, they're going hard comedy with this. Like, this is an extremely funny list of people who have an extremely funny choice roles. Can, can we talk about how funny it is that we had a Nintendo Direct and just halfway through it, Miyamoto was like, hey, what up, motherfuckers? Here's the cast list for my, my Mario movie. And he just came in, interrupted the thing and was like, look. Chris Pratt as Mario, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Jack Black as Bowser. See ya, I'm out of here. <laughs> and then just left. Yeah, you, you, you definitely got to lead with Chris Pratt and then hit him with the whole, you know, Charlie Day and Jack Black, you know, <laughs> and Anya. Like I already am picturing Bowser showing up with a guitar, flames behind him with giant, oh, like Mad Max so Fury Road style Holy amplifiers. Shit. Imagine oh Mario and Luigi walking into a scary haunted house. Luigi's waving his arms around going, Mario, Mario, I'm telling you, this house is haunted. What do you mean this house is haunted? We saw ghouls, we saw goblins, there's night crawlers, and I'm going to have to clean them up, and I? Suddenly, Bowser crashes through the walls, flames behind him, and goes, Pesky plumbers, knocking at my door. I'll throw some balls at you and call you a whore. <laughs> like, uh, uh. Oh, Jack Black Bowser sounds fun. That sounds so fun. Wait, does this mean this leads us to understand that Miyamoto has watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia? (laughs) I wonder who, who, I I would love to to know what the behind the scenes decision making was like. Yeah, like the other thing is that these these actors are from edgy adult stuff. (laughs) Like it's, uh... They are famous for things that are not for kids. I, I don't know. Teenagers always get into Tenacious D at some point. But it's, it's still like, you know, not Nintendo level of, of family-friendly uh, childhood nostalgia quality entertainment. But, man, I, I, I have high hopes, and I didn't think I would. Like, this actually jumped my hopes up way high. I, I thought they were going to be as, like, generic and lazy as they are with, like, a Minions or Despicable Me situation. It's the same company. It's Illumination. They're, they're like McDonald's. They're not bad, but they're generic. They're safe, you know? And this seems like like they want to make a hilarious, edgy comedy out of Mario, which fits the RPG games, kind of. I wonder what they're going to they're gonna do. I There's two ways they can do this. We all know Peach is not going to get kidnapped. We know we all know it's two thousand, yeah, two thousand twenty-one. It's not going to happen. But well, maybe I there'll be a twist at the end. I, I think like Bowser being the evil guy could switch, though. There could be 
another evil thing. I think they might go that like way. Donkey Kong. Maybe that's why Donkey Kong is on the list. I don't think Seth he's Rogen the one is an evil character. First and then, okay, <laughs> I don't think he has it in him to be evil. No, he's yeah, no, he's like he's like the character you meet halfway through the movie, and he's like, "Hey, what up, Mario? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you gotta go that way. Like, and then they chill out in like the jungles <laughs> or something for a bit. Yeah, he's gonna be high. Donkey Kong is gonna be high. What? What? I'm gonna throw out that I bet there's like the Mushroom Kingdom is like a city and it's like a metropolitan city. You know, just like how they did it in Detective Pikachu and the Lego Donk movie. City. It's going to be like, a, yeah, it's going to be like New Donk City or something. They always have to style in cities for some reason. And they're not going to have like the, you know, the Mushroom Kingdom, the Barren Mushroom Kingdom. Probably have like some sort of toad society or something. The good things I think about the Mushroom Kingdom and the Mario brand in general, especially compared to when they were making the 1993 movie with Bob Hoskins. <laughs> when they re- release the jinkle cut anyways um there's like no rules like the the idea of people getting offended at the sanctity of a movie disrespecting mario lore is hilarious it's so much funnier to think of now than in 1993 and back in 1993 there wasn't this huge library of writing heavy rpg games based on mario that have good writing and good humor that they can also mine for this movie as well. Nowadays, Mario is just like, it's pure surrealism. Mario can do anything and go anywhere and crack any kind of jokes they want. If it's an edgy joke for adults, they'll make it in a way that's innuendo enough so that it'll sail over the kids' heads, but in a, in a like clever way that's, that's funny for the adults. I think it's a totally different time than the 90s. We've had Detective Pikachu that was good. We had Sonic that was decent. And yeah. uh, Mortal Kombat, they, they made a, a, a new Mortal Kombat movie that you guys didn't want to talk about. But I thought it was at least okay. Mario as a property in the place it's in right now is so flippant about continuity and lore that I think they could make a really, really fun comedy out of this. There would not need to be action driving this thing. It would be straight up cartooning. Detective Pikachu, Free Guy. Oh, yeah, Free Guy. You guys liked Free Guy, right? It's just enjoyable movies. So I have high hopes, man. It's going to be a good time, I think. I actually do have high hopes. I mean, I feel like it's pretty blasphemous, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, who gives a fuck? This could be good. This could, I mean, I like Detective Pikachu quite a fair bit. So, and Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu blew our minds at the time, but it fucking worked. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, Chris Pratt, I can, you know, I can give and take. It doesn't really matter. But everybody else is like pretty fucking banging. Yeah. I'm wondering if Mario's just not going to talk that much. If he'll just have a few lines and the rest will be like Charlie Chaplin, Mr. Bean style miming and body humor. I don't think so. I think they're going to talk. I think they might talk. It's going to be a buddy comedy between Mario and Luigi, and it's going to be Charlie Day and Chris Pratt bouncing off each other, which I think could be pretty good. Yeah, and they did that in the Mario movies. I'm not Mario. In the Lego movies, Chris Pratt and uh, Charlie Day have that degree of chemistry to to each other. Yeah, yeah. They did work together on the Lego movies. Nice. Oh, that could be good. That could be really good. Benny from the Lego movie, starring Benny from the Lego movies. It's a lot of weird choices. It's a lot of hilarious choices, strange choices. But when you think about them and look some stuff up, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. It's also, yeah, there are people who have done animation before who are powerful Hollywood names. And, you know, Mario has to shake, unfortunately, 
the fact that a Mario movie already exists and it's infamous. So it has to kind of shake that off and really give it a good go this time. Thank Christ it's animation. Yeah, I thought it was going to be live action. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard it, I was like, Thank oh. Christ it's not. Can you imagine Seth Rogen in a Duck I Kong love costume? imagining. <laughs> yes. I love picturing that. I... I mean, like I said, Mar- there's Mario is so surreal oh, and bizarre, and, and at this point in the franchise history, it owns how surreal and bizarre it is. And I, I could, I literally could imagine a crappy, no, not a crappy. I, I couldn't imagine a crappy live action Mario. I could imagine a funny, weird, shit posty live action version of Mario that they would make just for the fun of it, which. uh as as a little skit and a, and a Nintendo Direct or something. That, that, oh my god! Can you imagine if like Chris Pratt appears in a Nintendo Direct? Oh my god! It could happen. Hey, it's oh, me and Mario, and here's the new Mario. <laughs> it's me, Mario. I wonder if they're gonna keep him short. They like, must well, animated. So. They must do. Yeah, yeah, they must do. They can they can? Can you imagine? They can do anything. No, like the short jokes, Luigi being taller. Yeah, like, there's so many things you can go. You can go with so many things in that. Like, and and if they do the whole Peach thing, like especially if them they're talking, they're not miming everywhere. It's like, I don't know, like the kiss at the end. Like it's just like it's just. I they could go so many ways. They could go so many ways with this, and I hope they don't go the traditional way. I hope they just go wild with it. I want a Lego movie. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's where we want to be. Right. The first Lego movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because the other the, ones weren't so good. I I didn't enjoy the other ones. Even the Batman one wasn't a fan. Yeah, I I, I remember watching the first one, but that's pretty much it. I never went out of my way to watch them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides um, the obvious choice of Charles Martinet fully voicing uh, Mario, who, who would you guys have chosen anyone different? Danny. Danny is Mario. Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, Danny DeVito and Charlie Day is Mario and Luigi. I mean, that is perfect. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling that would you, just, Mario, there's nightcrawlers. Because it would just be hilarious the throughout spotted. the entire film, just hearing uh, his voice. It would be would, hilarious the entire Like, I want to see a Wario. By, by Danny DeVito. Oh, yeah. They've got, oh, come on. Yeah, they've got to do that. If there's a sequel, they got to do that. And then Waluigi by like Mark Hamill or something with his like Skip's voice from regular show. Because mm. Mark Hamill does does do good voice acting. Mark Hamill, oh, Mark after like Star Wars, became top-tier. a career voice actor. But I think there is also something to be said here of how how much more profitable it is to get big, recognizable, funny names on the list instead of career voice actors who are are not gonna gonna sell tickets as much. Mark there. Hamill will sell tickets. Mark Hamill was uh, he he yeah yeah he will he will he's like because he also was Luke Skywalker, but he also has has, has done a lot of really good voice work since really then. Really good, but voice you know work. it's not like. Like, like like people will 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 buy a game because Nolan North is is in it, you know. People well, like yeah. me will see this movie because oh Charlie god, Day is Enchanted, Luigi. Though. Oh my god, the Enchanted movie will be out next year as well. Oh boy. Oh boy. What a video game year, huh? And the Last of Us HBO series is coming too. 
What the? Uh, the Witcher season two is going to be coming. They just had an anime series on Netflix made out of The Witcher. Dude, did you watch it? It's pretty good. I've heard it's pretty good. I haven't watched. It. I mean, I mean, it's not like I forgot about it as soon as I finished it, but it was it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're like, oh man, this is yeah, cool. Oh, like yeah, it seems it like great. the same studio just, who yeah. animated everything that's coming on, like Dota and stuff like that. It it felt like uh, the same. Like everyone's copying each other. Uh, yeah, everyone's copying each other. Yeah, it seems like that's the way. And 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 uh, Castlevania has like yeah. that same art style. Yeah, it's good. It's a good art style. But come on, guys! Like, let's, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up, guys! Come on. Yeah, the dry. Yeah, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta grit my teeth with those guys these days. Dragon's Dogma. What was the other one? Oh no 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 no! What was the other you, one? Don't don't the, wrap up Jog, D- Dragon's Dogma in, into the Dota, good shows now. Dragon's Dogma. What was the gods Do- one? Dota was good. What do you? What do you? I didn't watch Dota. I didn't read the art. And also, what was the gods one? There was a gods one or something. Like the Hercules. Was it Hercules? Oh, I forget what it was. Blood of Zeus, right? Yes, Blood of Zeus. Zeus, same studio, right? Uh, Yeah, I didn't watch that either. I looked at it and I was like, eh, I'll skip. Until someone says, you got to watch this. Yeah, let George talk about that one. (laughs) Oh my god! I love the way they I- I- infuse history into this anime in this very special way. I mean, Thermoroma. that's what I sound like to you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's yes, a me, exactly. a George. <laughs> it's a me, a George. <laughs> oh my gosh! You ain't getting no love. George, a weed man. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 I have a scary question, and that is, uh, uh why do we think they're doing this? Because they're obviously pouring a shitload of money. Like those, the, every person on the list is is an extremely expensive. Because Mario uh, is massive, but guess what? Minions is more massive. Are Isn't you really something? serious? Minions Easy. is more popular than Mario. Easy, even in Japan. Minions, Minions does a lot of money. More. Yeah, even yeah. in Japan, Minions is huge in Japan as well. Easily, it's not even a contest. I, I, I don't Everyone knows Mario, but would you argue which one's more popular in Japan? Everyone would just say Minions. Well, it's not like Nintendo needs the money. But you, so if you walk, and it's not like what would you what would you see down the street? Would you see a Mario backpack, or would you or would you see a Minions backpack on children? Arguably, I feel like it could. Okay, Minions. Yeah, exactly. So wait, wait, wait. Nintendo wants the Minions audience. Is that why they're doing this? I think Nintendo's at a turning point. I don't think they want that kind of success. They have success that works for them. But I think in terms of what they can do with Mario, Mario is beyond video games, but not really beyond video games, right? Like everyone knows theme park. Yeah, but that. Yeah, yeah but I think they're branching. Nobody's been able to go to it, especially from anywhere. Else. But that's the thing. I think what they're doing now is they're seeing that they've kind of exhausted the Mario video game pipeline in terms of like making one spectacular 3D Mario game every fucking five, ten years, right? And now they have a mascot that they can turn into a brand that is beyond video games in a much larger capacity. I think that's what so their they want, next step is. They want all the kids to have Mario backpacks yeah. again for the first time since the, the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, but not in the video. That was how it was back then. They're going to sell a lot of toys, a lot of video games during this whole thing. They're going to make yeah. a lot of money. 
and we'll be in this weird cross point, right, where there'll be the animated version of Mario who won't look anything like the video game version of Mario that we love. Really? I think, think so. so. I think so. I don't think it'll look like the Nintendo Mario. I think it'll be like an American cartoony version of Mario. Oh, God. So we're going to have and to like juggle the, the Resident Evil movie versus video game verse. And it will be that Mario that you will then start seeing more and more of, I think, around, you know. And we'll always know that that's movie Mario, but then this is video game Mario, right? Um, but movie Mario is the one that is, you know, fucking everywhere. Because, I mean, Mario doesn't look like the 64 Mario, right? Mario doesn't look like how he looked like in Super Mario World. Like, he keeps evolving. This might be the next step. Mm. Yeah. Well, since, like, the GameCube era, the, the design has kind of sort of stabilized as as the graphical fidelity plateaued. Box arts of Mario on, on GameCube games don't look any different from how the character render usually looks nowadays. No, but he's still very, he's still Nintendo. He's still Nintendo. Like, I don't, I don't think that's going to be I, the same. I think they're going to make it the way that Illumination would make it. Of course, Miyamoto is going to have somewhat the final call on it, but I think it's going to look something different to the Mario that we see, like the chubby little Mario. He's gonna be different. Yeah, I feel like Mario Odyssey looks looks different. Like it's just like slow changes. I feel. Mm. I mean, he still looks like Mario, but yeah, he's a lot more expressive. I yeah, I don't think I would like it if they went too off. Like I, I want him to be a weird, bubbly little balloon boy man. But he's got. If they make him tall and slender, not, like yeah, Chris they're not gonna Pratt. do that. But they're gonna make him look like he's the main character of a story, right? Mm. He already does. Why? Why can't you have Mario? Why can't? Uh, uh, also, can you picture the Nintendo Mario, like the th CG 3D render of Mario that we see on all the promotional? So can you imagine that guy talking in Chris Pratt's voice? I can't. Yeah, that's mm. that's why everyone's so weirded out by the Chris Pratt show. It's hard to imagine that character talking a lot in general. In, in general, yeah. So I think. But the, you know, that character you know, is built for, like, body the, comedy. The one I think they're probably going to look at. This is kind of out left field. Do you know the Mario and Luigi Partners in Time, like, series? The Mario and Luigi yeah. RPGs on the DS, right? You know how that Mario and Luigi have a different art style where they look a bit taller and slimmer and stuff, but Luigi... Oh, it is so slight. I had so to look it up. It is so it slight. It is so slight, but it is noticeably different. I think they're going to... And that's still a very Japanese-looking version of those characters. I think they're going to do something like that, where so, it is so, very okay, slight, Okay, it's fine. Off. If it's slight, then all right. But if it's... If they drastically change his proportions, I'm... Yeah, you know, if it's a Sonic situation where he's a weird rat creature, <laughs> then then maybe we'll have to talk. But if it's so slight that I don't notice the first few times, then we'll then, then I won't even notice. It'll be fine. Hey, it's me, Mario. It's it's a me, Mario. Chris Pratt. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching footage of the like the premiere with Miyamoto hugging Chris Pratt. <laughs> what oh, the weird God. world we live in now. This is yeah. mad. Yeah, you can't tell what's a shit post and what's real. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a shit post. I thought it was a shit post. I thought I, it was like only until Liam delirious. like commented on it. I was like with the official one and I was like, oh yeah. oh it's for real. 
It's okay. for real. Like I was, yeah. it was like seven a.m. here, and I was watching the direct, and I was falling in and out of sleep, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on? What is happening?" Mm-mm. Also, the fact that they just did it, like they just said it with a picture and then the character name, and instead of like a video or like a big bonanza of the <laughs> the different actors saying, "Yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing Bowser," and then like it's just so funny. I in swear, the Nintendo headshots direct, they chose were like. The, the headshots were chosen for deliberate comedy purposes, too. <laughs> that, that screenshot of Chris Pratt's headshot next to Mario of him looking nothing at all like Mario for the picture they chose is... That had to have been deliberate, right? The, the people who put together these Nintendo Directs, they, they laugh along with us, right? I'm sure in some way they have some fun. In some way. Yeah. Well... Yeah. Is it time? Yeah, fun news. Fun news. It's time. It's time for uh, uh, listener questions, which uh, I am going to be pulling from Patreon, the, the majority, for a couple weeks by the looks of things, because you need to fill up our boxes. Come fill up our box Whoa. at Dad and Sons Podcast. We have big box. Come fill. Mr. Bubbles on Patreon asked Dad and Sons, what sound effects are burned into your head? Mario uh, ones. Mario. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which ones? Um, it's a me. Definitely Metal Mario. Gear. Metal Gear yeah, sounds oh, yeah. are yeah. exclamation point. Yeah. The codec. Mm-hmm. Are there yeah, any like that. sound effects that your brain will will make you hear even when you don't want to hear them? Uh, yeah, my alarm for my phone. What like is it a video game the thing like because you know no, video games video games are the most fucking. important thing in the world it's the meaning of life no because I, I I do feel like like whenever I was getting my my COVID shots I I I heard that Half Life health station noise do 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 see someone about that it's uh it's concerning no it's you you don't like hear video game sound effects in your head when you go through daily activities sometimes um no i hear music when, i hear music a lot oh I do yeah hear a lot of music yeah definitely music but i my brain totally associates like medical healthcare activities with the half life health station noises when, when i'm at the doctor's office i like, like that's just the place my brain goes to when I go through like medical stuff. Is, yeah, the- yeah, it's a sa- it's a good satisfying sound effect. And there's also the the very well documented phenomenon of having Tetris dreams. And sometimes when I like fiddle with with things like this toenail clipper, I'm I'm fingering in my hands right now. Like my Whoa. brain will imagine <laughs> a Tetris rotational <laughs> On the noise. Podcast. George, <laughs> I, I didn't mean it in a sexual. I'm just fiddling with the toenail clippers, spinning it around to keep my fingers occupied. It's okay to be alone, George. Like it's you know just no too much of podcast, the, that bro. is a bad thing. <laughs> but yeah, is this, is this just me? Am I is that how big of a weirdo I am? No, I'm pretty I, sure some I, people. Yeah, I think association. Stuff, yeah. yeah, I think I just listen to music more than I play. Yeah. I, maybe this is the difference between someone who has a brain more tuned to music and someone who doesn't. Possibly. Is it the sound effects I think, stick I think in it, my memory harder? Yeah, I think of video game music like all the time. That I do for sure. That is an interesting phenomenon. I've never, you know, talked about it before. I've never even thought about it before. But I think based on our conversation, I think we just discovered that there's a lot more sound effects 
that like my brain will go to to make my activities more interesting. And you guys do that with music. And I am the one who's always had a harder time appreciating music compared to you two. That is fascinating. Huh. Huh. Next question. Alan Y says, hello, dads. I just finished my first Prime Trilogy playthrough and I was floored with how much I enjoyed the exploration. Ooh. Considering that 2D Metroidvanias are some of the most popular indie genre of all time, why haven't the Prime games been a source of similar inspiration? Because making 3D games is way harder than 2D games, my friend. That's it. it <laughs> but there haven't even been any like like shitty Unity clones of uh, Well, you've got like uh, Anodyne and stuff like that that's kind of... Not maybe inspired by those, but can give off similar vibes. But Prime is Prime's a, a double it's a double A, triple A <laughs> video game. It's very hard to replicate that kind of thing. I um, also feel like Subnautica level. is the closest experience you can get in the, the lower budgeted world to a Prime game. And it still looks and plays nothing like I, I mean I just said it's it still plays only a little bit like like Metroid Prime. But yeah, they they did that in Unity. It took years and and shitloads of money and was in early access forever. But that's like the one I can think of is is Subnautica, like first person exploration game without the, where the focus is more on the exploration than the combat. But also, I feel like the control scheme of Metroid Prime is a huge roadblock. Like the reason why scanning feels cool is because you're not just pointing and clicking on stuff with the either the GameCube controller or the Wiimote. Doing that with a mouse and a keyboard is something where the repetition grinds in if you do it too much, which is a problem Subnautica was having. Yeah, that's the only reason why I haven't played the Primes because yeah, it's the it's God, a Wii the game. Prime games are good though. Fucking Wii game. I'm a fan of controller gimmicks, and that's not very compatible with small indie budgets. And I feel like a lot of the thrill, if you plugged Metroid Prime into a traditional WSAD Wasad mouse and keyboard control scheme, I don't think it would feel as cool to scan things mm. and, 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 and pan over the environment. You know, you hold the R trigger down and then gently move the stick and you are sacrificing your movement to do that scan. When you do that on a mouse and a keyboard, you're gonna question why you can't move while you scan. And then you're gonna quickly whip through environments and speed through the game. And it's not, not gonna feel as, as slow and deliberate and immersive. Such good games though. Yeah, but I mean, also at the same time, from a realistic standpoint, 3D games, how many indie 3D games do you often see anyway? Not that many. And usually indie games you see are from bigger bigger studios. It's a tough one for sure, but that's kind of the re the reality. I think also imagine trying to make a game like Prime. Like you're stepping into a, some hot shoes to fill right there. Subnautica, yeah, they were self-published. Yeah, Subnautica is like the only example I think you'll find. The one exception. Definitely the horror element carries over. Contrail says, how do you feel about fishing minigames? Do you have any favorites or ones you cannot stand? I like fishing minigames a lot. I hate fishing minigames that don't actually fish. You just press a button and then you collect the fish. Don't like those ones. I like the Animal ones that actually crossing. require you. Even with Animal Crossing, there's a bit of like waiting and testing and uh, you know sight spotting with the shadows and stuff but the ones that are just like automatic like the bait goes down you press a the fish comes out fuck those ones because they're just yeah 
the grinding collecting ones. Well, even with the Pokemon, it leads into a battle. I'm thinking like JRPG ones that are just near collecting fish. Near had yeah. an awful fishing mini game that everyone yeah. hated. That was one of the big contributors to that game reviewing so poorly. They ended up patching it afterwards so that the game that the old occult classic fans were playing, that the the game that the people played that that would have made the reviews sound like stupid pieces of, of shit was an actually different game than what was being reviewed because the fishing minigame was so so bad. A character the problem was a character gave you wrong directions. They they patched a line of dialogue that had you fishing in the correct spot. Whereas in the beginning, the game launched with, with the guy giving you it got caught up in localization somehow, just one line. But the fishing minigame was not something special in, in in the first place. But one thing that's blown my mind in recent times is that the fishing minigame in fucking cruelty squad is more developed and and thought out. <laughs> than the fishing in, in Animal Crossing and, and Pokemon and Nier and stuff. Fucking cruelty squad. You you actually have to like reel it in and, and judge the value of the fish based on the market and different fish show up in, in different places. It's not all the same across the whole game. You you sometimes you can fish in a puddle of mud on the street and and still get something that, that that you can sell on the market for a fluctuating value that's always changing. And that's how you also are supposed to like kind of sort of break the game's economy to be able to buy a house at the end of it. The fishing minigame in Cruelty Squad is one of the good ones. Does Yakuza ever have fishing? Uh, I never played one with Oh, does it? Um, yeah, it does. Yakuza 6, I believe. Tails has fishing as well but it's fucking annoying it's it's i don't understand it they don't explain it well but that's just classic with just some japanese games so i understand like you you don't know how to catch bigger fish like you're just like pressing random buttons to see what combination brings the fish that you want to the to the line it's a very weird mini game i wouldn't say it's bad it's just weird but, you know, they try to do something different and, you know, it sort of works. So, <laughs> yeah. I think just the OG Ocarina of Time. That, that fishing minigame, I adored so very much. And probably if I went back and played it, not great, just like most of Ocarina of Time. But it's the OG. I love it. The OG. It's, there's a lot more going on in that one. Than the usual like the fish have ai there there's a big one at the bottom that you have to get the smaller fish out of the way first to reach i spent too much time with that thing i don't know how i feel about it though because a fishing minigame can kind of sort of ride the line between either feeling like a waste of time or a meaningless distraction i don't mm. know if i've ever felt like i was doing something important and critical that i'm gonna have memories of on my deathbed with a fishing mini game. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad way. To... Oh, are you watching a dog too? Oh, <laughs> I thought that's what you were laughing at. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to take a take a big shit on your carpet. <laughs> on <a> webcam <laughs> on camera. 
And we have to pretend like it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might. Dude, if I if I hadn't taken him out this morning, that could have happened. Anyways, you know, Eddie, Eddie's bladder is empty. I very I very diligently walk my dog. Thank you very much. He he he's not just gonna take a shit on the floor on webcam while the podcast is recording, while we're trying to to ask Liam questions here. Like this one from Thoroke. Uh Liam. For a British person who lives in Japan, I notice that you often refer to prices in United States dollars. How are you so familiar with USD currency, and why do you choose to discuss prices in those terms? I actually did answer this in the Discord today because I didn't think it would be interesting no. of an answer. <laughs> but, um, Fuck me. Fuck no, me. I, I mean maybe it is interesting because yeah, I don't I thought really it was think interesting, in, yeah. I don't I don't think in pounds at all anymore. I don't when I first arrived I couldn't make heads or tails of yen. But actually as I go on, and of course I you know I know a lot of Americans over here as well. Honestly, it's just because yen, one hundred yen to one dollar is is almost so there. easy. It's pretty easy. So one it's one to is one. one cent, basically. I would yeah, but I don't think of cent, I just think of dollar. So because I don't quarter and all that stuff, I don't yeah. think about. I just think one hundred yen, one dollar. Just five hundred yen, five dollars. A thousand yen, ten dollars. And I never ever convert ever to pounds ever because pounds is massively huge compared to the, the yen and the dollar. So uh, still, even with Brexit, somehow. But <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty much it. And so when, so when I talk with the guys on the podcast, and I'm like, oh, it's eighty dollars, right? Actually, what I'm saying is it's. It's Hassanen. It's 8,000 yen. Because in my head, I'm actually just doing the yen. I don't think oh, of the dollars. Oh, gosh. Actually. That sounds so cool. Just to Hassan yen. It's, oh, it's, uh, what a language. What a beautiful language. <laughs> <laughs> but in my head, it's it's the yen. The yen price is there, and I just automatically say the dollars. So if it's, you God. know, oh, my God, I can't believe that's $120. You know, it's like Ichiman Nisenen or whatever the hell. I swear. So. If, if yeah, the, it just the, comes the, up as big numbers. The creeping tendrils of globalization eventually kill the Japanese language in a few centuries. That's going to be such a tragedy. Just passing it. Oh, that sounds so good. You want to move the you want to move the Japan, George? Because it's start, starting to sound like it. No, I I don't know. <laughs> I just I just am so fascinated by how d- different cultures can can manifest into different quirks of thinking and how linguistics can do that too how like the grammar is is so different you 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 speak like Yoda like you uh kind of kind of begin with the, the the verb and leave your subject for for the end and and you got I don't I don't know if it's 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 a, a, a too big of a rabbit hole to wonder if that kind of sort of manifests in, in collectivism versus individualism of, of Eastern versus Western cultures. And if uh, some of that is is baked into a language that can describe a concept as abstract as eight, 80,000 units of currency into a word as absolutely elegant and fun to say with your mouth and tongue as Hassan Yen. <laughs> I, I mean, I just like the fact that I can go over there with like ten thousand dollars, and I'll have a million yen. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. A millionaire. Well, actually, you'll, you'll have. Yeah. You'll, have, you'll, you you'll actually it. have a little more than a million yen. But congratulations! Yeah, little, yeah. You I'm did it. Now it's nine thousand. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Jeffrey yeah. Bezos. <laughs> Jeffrey <laughs> Bezos. You did it. <laughs> Put you back into it. I, I I I barely know any Japan whatsoever, but I did get to the numbers, 
and it was way less complicated than I thought it would be. But but man, yeah. oh man, some stuff in Japan just sounds fucking cool. And I can't. I I love that. Just like the number eight thousand yen sounds sounds so cool. Why am I gravitating towards that? I'm a weirdo. I mean, I mean, it's different. It's different than the U.S. The U.S. I don't know. You grew up with it. It's probably dull. Yeah. Yeah. It's exotization. It's why they think that the Bible is cool. So they make Bayonetta out of it. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. I mean, Bayonetta is way cooler than the Bible. Let me say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if there, there's any similarities though. It's just literally just heaven and hell that they're. No. Heaven or hell. Paradiso and let's no. rock. No, Bayonetta is like actually sourced. The 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 angels you fight are descriptions in the Old Testament angels, not the not the Greek New Testament oh, stuff really? where they're like Ooh. beautiful buff people in robes. But in the Old Testament, when yeah, when when the Hebrews were like barely surviving in the desert, coming up with their mythology, they were visualizing rings of eyes in the skies watching them. They 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 were visualizing really abstract, weird things that is the primary source material for a lot of monster designs in Bayonetta, specifically the wheels of eyes. It's the wheels of eyes that, that always gets people. <laughs> when you think of angels, you think of, of a hot, sexy, almost naked person wearing flowing white Greek robes, right? Yes. And that's kind of how you can tell the New Testament is more of a Greek thing than the Old Testament is. That is, that is so eye-opening. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, it, it d- does totally <laughs> change your use. perspective on on pop culture, and 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 this uh, Project Eve game that's coming out is is totally a, a product of of the same thing. Like like when you're watching Japanese media and you see like weird eye creatures or or giant cathedrals that they just like like love putting so much detail into that's exotization from the other side like that is that the opposite of me thinking that the language sounds cool and beautiful and. And, and, you know, like why you kill God at the end of, of so many JRPGs is because of how different their, their concept of institutionalized religion is and how fascinating they find that history when, when learning about the West. That's probably why a That's lot of different religious history has gone on the, the different hemispheres. That's probably why a lot of, uh, a lot of kids like Japanese games, mm-hmm. killing God at the end. Oh, and oh it's it's like it's it's weird it's weird uh that like the whole JR like RPGs in general it's just like we kind of gamified being poor <laughs> and just like building yourself up to being able to kill the highest creature I don't know the toughest creature is like oh I've I've made it yeah, you did it's it. Like I come from a small town with nothing. All I have is ten gill. <laughs> and now I have all this armor and a house and, uh, you know, went on all these travels around the world. And now I'm going to, you know, destroy kill God. God. Yeah, kill yeah. God. And kill God because God never gave anything to me. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's there literally are books you could write about this stuff. But the long and short of it has to do with how in Asian history, the religious institutions never had as much power as the church did in the West. That there wasn't like a, a, a schism 
where between the, the, the pagan times and the Christian times, where there was like infighting within the religious authorities that ended up separating the church from the state while also fueling a whole lot of justifications for, for wars and stuff. The history of, of religious institutions fighting wars and controlling people with big power is totally different of, over there compared to here. And that's how and that manifests in the JRPGs where institutionalized religious weirdos are the bad guys and the final boss is, is some sort of, of god. I love how we went from British currency to Japanese currency to then killing God, which I feel like is the pathway of most JRPGs and how stories start and end yeah. in JRPGs. Yeah, oh, look, man. I finally got a coin from the good sir. Now I'm killing God. Yeah. Man, I just, I, I wish more games did religion like Morrowind did religion, where there's it's religious characters. Morrowind with you. Who, who are telling you that you're fulfilling an ancient prophecy if you follow their directions. But if you disobey them, then they start questioning whether or not you're following the prophecy or if you were just prophesized to disobey their orders. Like, like <laughs> it, it gets into the irony of how the pagan religious authorities in the ancient world would justify things like, like sacrificing your farm animals. It's not that sacrificing your animals to the god made your farm more profitable. It's that the farms that were already profitable enough to have livestock they could sacrifice were the ones that were already doing better. Not Like, there's inductive logic to... What? Ah, we got to wrap up. Yeah, we do. It's time, it's time for New World, baby. All right, cool. Matt's going to go play an MMO. I'm going to go play Deathloop and a Metal Gear Solid parody. And uh, you guys will get to hear and see a lot I'm of that. I'm going to go to bed. And, <laughs> and Liam's going to gonna sleep and and work on his his own game that, that we will all be playing in, in a few months' time. Thank you, No Kenley. pressure. No pressure. Uh, thank you, Canley. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, thank, thank you. Shit. Um, uh, it's called Curse to Golf. Uh, uh, wish list <laughs> on your Steam library. Oh God! Oh God! Was that sarcastic or genuine? I can't tell. Uh, social Hopefully, anxiety. Yeah, definitely. You definitely will. wish list it. Yeah. You won't have to pay sixty dollars on launch. It will like, be sixty dollars. <laughs> Sixty-five, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking swear, Liam. If this game's just actually end, sixty dollars, I'm gonna freak no, out. No, is it? Fuck. And no, God, no. God, uh, nobody. I can't imagine anybody selling a pixel art game for more than thirty dollars these days. Oh my god. Oh god. Oh god. I'm so the sweat dripping down. What a weird position to be in. Is I? Isn't this? Is this what they warned me about in school? I don't know. Ah! <laughs>